Jose. Jose Canseco fined for sending twin brother into boxing ring. <laughs> 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 and they're both in red jumpsuits and just like smirking like they don't give two shits. <laughs> he's, he's a complete sellout. He's just like fucking oh, I'm gonna yeah. throw everybody under the bus in a book. I don't give a. <laughs> Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. Right. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. What up, ladies and gentlemen? Oh. April 13, 2021. It's go time. It's Brock. P. Diddy's across the border. I like DMX. I always like DMX. He is a classic in locker rooms. You know? Oh, yeah. Anything like sports related, there's a lot of DMX stuff. It just gets you hyped up and going. And from a football standpoint, DMX was always a staple in our locker room. Um, yeah. And for those who aren't aware... He uh, he passed away a couple of days ago at the age of fifty, hmm. um, and uh, yeah, the music world definitely lost uh, lost a good one there. Yeah, it's always sad to hear. Eh? It is, but especially at that age. It's very, very, very young. But you know, uh, anyway, yeah, there's a lot of doom and gloom lately in the in the news. But uh, well, I'm we're so- in we're in lockdown again, or something like that. Stay at home order given COVID numbers and stuff like that. And you've been updating me on uh, the COVID numbers because being at the hospital and, uh, you know, very connected yeah. with your job, you are very up and up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a tough time. It's, it's serious times. It's not It's not tough. It's, well, tough tough for us. It's serious in the hospital. And if uh, if people aren't taking it seriously now, I mean, they need a wake-up call. It's it's serious business right now in the hospital. It's all hands on deck. It's uh, I don't know if people think that there's just an infinite amount of rooms in a hospital or that like there's just whatever. We could just move people around or throw a bed in the middle of a hallway. It doesn't work that way. There's only, only a certain amount of beds, only a certain amount of space. And when the patients certain are... Amount of staff. Uh, I mean, really, when the and a certain number of staff, you know, I someone told me the other day at the hospital that it's uh, for every one COVID patient, specifically COVID patient, you need five staff. Really, I mean, eh? that's for one patient. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's the it's the uh, turning them over. You need two people for that. You need the doctor. You need the nurse to, to administer something. You need someone to hold the the cord for the ventilator. Like it's crazy, you know, for one person. So. I just don't think people quite get it. And this whole idea of like, I want my freedom back. Yeah, we all do. I mean, you don't think I don't want my freedom back, but like you got to snap out of the, out of the time warp that we're living in there and, and understand that we have a responsibility to protect our community as well. Like we're all a community. We all, if we're not there for each other, who the hell is? So, I mean, I'm now I'm getting, I get a little frustrated before, you know, I was able to tolerate it for a year, you know, reading the crap online and reading people's perspectives and, you know, how it's, it's a very, we live in a very self-entitled world. I'm starting to get a little frustrated now and I'm going to start calling people out because I'm tired of it. I want to get back to work and the more people don't comply, you're, you're taking money out of my pocket. So unless you want to pay me, it's time to start complying and, and being real. We could get our doses and stuff up too. I keep hearing that, you know, again, not getting crazy into it, but 
states that are open, like Texas and stuff, their numbers are dropping. Where there are other states, you know, from a U.S. standpoint, where they were kind of more strict, their numbers are going up. So you start saying, you know, is it just dosage? Is it getting? But I just got a text message before the show, uh, a kid I coached who's down in Connecticut at a prep school in high school. So he's a 17-year-old kid. Anyway, mm-hmm. he just got his COVID shot today. So they're, again, rolling out very quickly down there. And, you know, hopefully we can follow suit uh, in the near future. But I've heard stories of, or read the news where there's five COVID patients from Toronto that are being shipped to Ottawa because there's yeah. no room at those hospitals, which is then putting a, a burden on ours. And um, anyway, again. Even Chio. They're even making room at Chio for adult patients. So, really? I mean, eh? It's all hands on deck at this point. But, uh, but yeah, that's scary. I, I'm not quite sure the situation. I, I want to give credit where credit's due. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm by no means uh, a supporter of the, of the Trump administration. I'm not even going to go there. But, you know, he did, he did secure uh, vaccines and he did secure a lot uh, when it came to uh, um, just putting a rush on creating a vaccine or even finding I'm going to give them a little bit of credit where uh, where that's concerned um and the rollout and, and it's continued on with the trend transition of uh, of government and uh i think the states are finally kind of getting one step ahead even though the even though the transmission still might exist in the states you know it, people aren't getting as sick because they have the vaccine so um i mean kudos to them i wish canada would would uh, figure out a way to speed it up and secure more more vaccines but Agreed. And before this show, actually breaking is that Teoscar Hernandez was tested positive for COVID. I don't know if you saw that. So he's at least uh, 10 days out. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that goes right back to the questions you had during the, the Jays in Texas series where they had a full, uh, a full crowd. How would we feel if you know, one of the Jays ended up having COVID? So he's got it. He tested positive. It's been a little bit since they were in Texas. So I'm not pointing fingers there necessarily, but you know, again, it's uh, it. Anyway, it's just it's a, a sign big, of the look, times. It's and, a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal for the Jays who are missing George Springer. It's a bit, that's one of their outfielders. It's one of their top hitters. It's, it was their fourth hitter in the lineup. It's not like it's uh, the ninth guy in the lineup. It's you know, it's it's a guy who who won a Silver Slugger award last year and who uh, was looking to continue and pick up where he left off. And now he's going to be out for 10, 12 days. You know, uh, Lourdes Gurriel uh, after his COVID shot, he didn't catch COVID, but he got the vaccine. Uh, lost six pounds over the course of two days because you you have forty eight hours of some symptoms where you don't feel so great. Yeah. So um so he lost six pounds. So I mean there's a lot going on there. But uh, you know hopefully that in an, in a couple of weeks this can all sort of pass over and everyone's got the vaccine they can move forward. Well, on a lighter note, um, I would like to send out a big happy birthday to my mother in law and our producer Mike's mother. Marlene nice. Pignat, who had her right. birthday yesterday. Um, obviously, birthday. no parties or anything, but uh, you know, we drove by and brought little goodies and stuff like that. And uh, a shout out to um, my wife, Angela, who uh, was, uh, I guess, nominated, but anyway, ended up winning one of these, uh, uh, the um, Ontario Catholic School Board Director of Education Awards. So her and her hey. uh, cousin, Matt Kosag, were both uh, recipients of that, along with some other uh, people as well. But uh, she downplays it, but it was it's a big uh, big honor for her. So hey, congratulations! That is yeah. that's great stuff, man. That's great stuff. I got my you know two thirds of my family worked in edu- works in education, so very good stuff. Hey, Brock, I want to mention two things before we move on to uh, to our sponsor. Um, 
one of my favorite TikTok followers is a guy. You follow or he follows you? I follow him. Okay. Oh, did I? Did I? You said one of my favorite TikTok followers. So one of your followers. No, he definitely doesn't follow me. I okay. follow him. Sorry, I mean, I right. came out the wrong way. That's okay. Um, he's a former uh, Nebraska Cornhusker slash NC State quarterback from the mid 2000s. And he, his name's Harrison Beck, but he calls himself the Throw God. <laughs> okay. So, oh, it's Brock. It's next level stuff. He's hysterical. He it, It's not exactly uh, G rated, folks. If So if you have a TikTok account and you want to follow this guy, it's pretty wild. But he, he's gained, obviously, a lot of pounds. He's lost a front tooth, but he played. For NC State and and uh, and uh, Nebraska, and uh, anyway, he's got great stories. He's always got a uh, you'd love this guy. He's got really, always eh? got an awesome story about NC, um, NCAA quarterbacks. And he says Ryan Mallett had the best army he's ever seen in college. And he's surprised that teams didn't uh, put forth a better effort to make him a better quarterback in the NFL. I know your thoughts about that. Well, I, Ryan Mallett was uh, Arkansas, Arkansas, uh, big arm. Big arm, big stature, but yeah. what we're finding out more and more recently is that the the developmental part of a quarterback in the NFL is really limited. It seems to be that seems uh, like uh, Dan uh, Orlovsky. Uh, yes. Anyway, he's big, so I follow a lot of his stuff where he's you know a lot of game footage and stuff like that, and breaking down quarterbacks in college who are ready for the draft and. Um, but he's been asked a few times on certain players that maybe did or didn't uh, succeed, and um, and he talks a lot. And, I mean, that's probably from his experience too, right? Because he had a bit of a stint, and I don't think – and I'm going very far. And um, Orlovsky? Yeah. He's the guy who stepped out of bounds playing for Detroit when they went 0-16 in 2008. He's Remember the back of the end zone rolling out? That was him. Good memory. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. he doesn't – Want to remember that? Oh, I'm sure he remember. I'm sure people don't let him forget that. <laughs> Only 16, 16, whatever. Uh, but anyway, uh, he talks about the from a, a quarterback development standpoint in the NFL, the coaching and stuff like that is just not there. It's really you got to get in, know the playbook, and they're drafting guys who have all those abilities already and need to put the playbook into motion and they just don't put the time into it, I guess. So, um, Mallet probably fall, fell into that. Like Arkansas was an okay team. Again, very strong arm, very good stature, but if he doesn't have the development and the, the chance to development, and we talk about it, the, the, the pros don't have, the NFL does not have a minor league system. So it's not even like you can invest another couple of years. Say this guy has all the talent in the world. But we just need to put a bit of time into him, then he's going to be great. They don't have that time. They don't have. That so exactly. unless you're willing to pay to wait for that time, it's you know it's uh, it's out out the door. With rookie so, contracts and playing for money, and I, it's crazy. Um, one final thing, I thought you might enjoy this. I ran into our good friend, mutual friend Ivan Huskins this week. I he had uh, a gigantic collection of nineteen mid nineteen nineties, some in the eighties, and some a couple of early two thousand edition Sports Illustrated. That he dropped off to me must have must have been about 200 magazines. Anyway, I sift through them um, this over the course of the last couple of days, and I came across and I'm gonna give these to a couple of these to you. Um, just there's a ton of college, uh, really college ones from like there's Bill Bill Clinton talking about. I'm sure he's talking about Arkansas Pig, Pig Suey, yeah, Arkansas. Um, there's uh, a couple here with the uh, Desmond Howard on the cover. Desmond Howard was big Sports Illustrated. Holy cow! Oh, doesn't have uh, won the Heisman as like Coach one of the vicious. first. Yeah, he's going to be on there. Oh, here's one that says Peyton Manning Gator bait again. I guess the Gators took him, took him to the woodshed. He's never beat anyway. the Gators. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, there's a couple <clears> here. I think you'll really like this. Dr. Z's all pro team from uh, 2000. So, anyway, I think you really enjoy a few of these. So, Well, shout out to Ivan Huskins yeah. for dropping yeah, that man. stuff off. Yeah, I'll put these away here. And, uh, yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. You still have the big beard? He's looking good. He's looking real good. He's uh, he's doing some CrossFit, and uh, he looks fantastic. And he's got the beard, the bald head, intimidating factor coming off the coming out of his truck. I said, uh, "Who is this guy? Is this Stone Cold Steve? Oh, it's Ivan. Hang oh, on a, a sec. <laughs> 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 oh, he's looking good. He's a great guy. So, uh, yeah, we used to play football together back in the day too. I remember he used yeah, to drive me man. with his uh, uh, what was a K car or something like that." Anyway, oh, yeah? slurpees on the way home and stuff like that. Anyway, it was just, there was a lot of fun. And anyway, good stories. Good, good yeah. lad. Love him. Awesome. What do we got now? We're going right into. Uh, let's, uh, well, let's, uh, let's mention our sponsor for the day. I got to cue up the old music. All righty. All right. Are you selling or buying? Call Tracy Iskander with Royal LaPage at Group Philippe LeMay. They have the buyers and the right game plan to find you a new home. You'll get personalized service in all sectors of the Utaway region. Tracy is fluently bilingual, and with a combined 40 years of real estate experience at the Group Philip LeMay, you can rest assured your home buying journey will be handled with first-class care and the best prices on the market. Call Tracy today at 613-324-3781 or email Tracy at tracy at tracyescanner.com. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw you just peep in there. I know. That wasn't me. That was Mike. But I got to make sure I'm on my toes because, you know. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> you're just checking in on me. You're just, just checking, checking in on me. That's all you're, you're doing. You're good? Just check, make sure you're reading it. <clears throat> That's awesome. All right. Do we have a ho- We don't have any hockey sound bites, eh? We don't have any, like. Uh, yeah, we got a hockey right? intro. I'm pretty sure I made it. Yeah, because we're talking hockey now, right? The Northern mm-hmm. Division. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Short, sweet, to the point, and that's yep. probably the limits of my uh, <laughs> graphic <laughs> yeah. abilities. Okay, very good. Yeah. Can I, can I be honest? Can I say something controversial and honest at the same time? Please. That's what this is for, really. Um, I'm gonna, I miss Don Cherry. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I, you know, he was controversial. He got a little bit, a little bit weirder as he, as the years went on, especially the last couple of years. But his hockey insight, though, was really like next level, you know. And I, I do, I do like Bieksa a lot. I think Bieksa has, brings some, uh, some really good insight. But uh, it's just, it's just different. The way it's, uh, uh, just the way it's displayed, the way he uh, projects it is different from what Cherry used to do. So, ah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I don't really watch again. Kevin Bieksa, I kind of like, but other than that, I'm not sitting and watching uh, any longer than 30 seconds of Elliot Friedman and uh, <laughs> Stewart. Is it Stewart the guy's name? I believe you know, so. Yeah. Anyway, it just not not a chance. Like you like faces Ron for radio? Yeah, I love Ron McLean. Ron McLean yeah. is like the um. You know, he was like the... Bob Costas. Something. Runs, you know what I mean? Like, it was almost like he was part of the family. Where, yeah. you know, he, he always... he was. I mean, he was Don's caretaker, kind of. And, like, he would always smooth yeah. things over. And he was always, like, yeah. the nice guy. And I still... I mean, I still remember when they got rid of him. And then everybody had an uproar that they got rid of Ron and, and made sure he brought it back. Because Ron 
Ron and Don without each other really didn't sit well. You needed to mm-hmm. have that 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 tandem for it to even yeah, be absolutely. tolerable because Cherry would get off on this huge thing and you know probably get CBC canceled. You know Ron would smooth it over and throw his little digs in right at the end. That last little like joke that he kind of puts in right before the the cameras are done. He'd always do that yeah. with Don. All right. Love Ron. Yeah. Our assistant producer, Mike, called Ron McLean, quote unquote, the mortar in the brick wall. So, hey. This is Ron McLean. All right. That's uh, okay. I like that. It's I like pretty that. Pretty important stuff. Well, hey, listen, uh, Gord Downey Division, the Northern Division, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's interesting. It's, I think it's reached its shelf life for me. I, uh, I'd love to see the teams play other teams now. I think I'm reaching a point where. The uh, Montreal versus Toronto has kind of lost its luster, although I still enjoy watching it. Um, I do now see the value in playing other teams and getting that experience. So uh, I'm looking forward to the playoffs personally. And speaking of playoffs, the standings as it stands right now, and I don't know how many games are left, maybe 20 or so. 18. Um, 18 games left. We've got Toronto at number one, which, again, I we need to pull back with one of the shows where we had our predictions. I didn't have Toronto even making the playoffs, so kudos to them. Toronto, number one, they look solid. Winnipeg, Edmonton, Montreal sit in the playoff spots. Calgary is uh, a few games behind Montreal. And then we got Vancouver and Ottawa kind of the bottom rung with uh, little to no chance of making the playoffs. But Vancouver has a bunch of games in hand, don't they? I, didn't they with the COVID? I with think that's going to end up being the case, but it's not looking promising. And we'll go through their trade scenario as we move along. And uh, so that's what um, that's what I wanted to uh, get this uh, segment started with. Is uh, trade deadline day was Monday or Tuesday? It was Monday or Tuesday? I think it was Monday. And it was um, Monday, yeah. the Canadian teams, like most of the NHL, um, didn't tinker too much with their with their roster. My Ottawa is really interesting. What they, what they did, I found to be really telling. And we'll start with Ottawa. First of all, they brought in Victor Mete off waivers from Montreal. And uh, they picked up Brandon Fortunato and a seventh. Um, I believe that was the good Branson trade. They also got a third rounder for Mike Riley and a seventh for Braden Coburn. And who left was Eric Branson, Mike mm-hmm. Riley, Braden Coburn, and Christian Wolanin to the, was traded to the Kings. That's four of their defensemen, four of their, say, say top seven or eight. Um, so what does that tell you, Brock? That, does that tell you, to, I mean, to me, it says they just were unhappy with their defensive core and they needed to shake things up. Yeah, I mean, it also tells me that there are, I hope it tells me that there's a, a plan in the works and that they got some young guys that are going to come up and start to fill some of these spots moving forward next year. Because, you know, again, you're some of these guys, they're not even that old, like, and they're getting rid of them. So you're obviously not happy. You're sellers at this point because you're basement dwellers. But you also have to have a, a, a longer-term plan. So there's got to be guys in the system who are going to be ready to step up. So I'm curious to see how that goes and where that goes. I mean, some of the picks back and stuff, they, they don't come till 2023 even for the mm. uh, uh, good Branson one. So, you know, 2022, that's next year, you know, the third and seventh. Again, these aren't crazy picks, so it's not like they're trying to stack unless they're going to flip those later too. But there is a plan somewhere, so it does make me curious to see where they're going with that. I like good Branson homeboy, homeboy too, right? Yeah, from Orleans. I'm surprised they, yeah. But uh, I think Victor Mete, having seen enough of him over the last three, four years in Montreal, uh, 
he, he maybe it's a system in Montreal that just didn't work for him, but he's he's tremendously skilled. Like he's he's a he's a fast skater. I mean, they played him at forward for a couple of games one season when they were thin up front, and uh, you know he's got a good shot. He's uh, offensive. He's w- what they call the puck moving defenseman. I never quite understood what that even meant. Of course, you're going to move the puck, but he's uh, he's got the f- good first pass. He's got some good offensive skills. So. You know, I guess I think they're going to give him a shot the rest of the year. I think he's going to play heavy minutes, and we'll see. They see what they got in Victor Mete. You know what a puck moving player is. Peter Worrell was not a puck moving forward. <laughs> so I was always found love you, Pete. Team. Not a puck moving player. I found that term always weird. Like it's a puck moving defenseman. Well, yeah. Well, what else is he like? I mean, you know, is that first pass? I guess is what they mean. But anyways, um, Victor Mete will be interesting. Uh, Montreal picked up Big E, Eric Stahl. You like that pick? You like that pickup? They're just trying to grasp the early 2000s superstars. (laughs) You think? You know what I mean? Like, they're they're trying to rejuvenate these guys, and good on them if they can do it. And they've had some success with the the previous guys, with Perry and whatever. So, hey, I'm sure they, they all know each other. They like each other. You know what I mean? So you're kind of putting these guys and maybe that gives you an extra little something, a little extra pep in your step. You're you're playing sure. on a team of guys that are, you know, like you but had had success and maybe need an, a little boost in the arm and um I don't know, I like it. I think it's good. I like it. I you know, in hindsight, I wish maybe they would have made a run for uh for Getzlaff. I think Anaheim was asking way too much for Getzlaff, but you know, I would have put my chips there and maybe held off on stall and see if you can get him for cheaper. Uh, if you're going to go that route, you might as well get Getzlaff, who played with Perry, and they went uh, up together. Getzlaff's, Getzlaff's one of my favorite players, yeah. Oh, and he's still, he's still, you know, a great player. So, But, you know, we'll see what Eric Stahl is. Eric Stahl looks a step slow. They've moved him down to the fourth line after playing uh, up on the second line for a couple of games. So we'll you see. like Getz because his brother played for the Rough Riders. He's Ryan? Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah, so that's uh, Chris Getzlaff, right? Was Chris. It Chris? Chris, yeah. um, they picked up John Merrill as well. Uh, just again, I think these John Merrill and Eric Gustafson, sort of depth def- defensemen, but uh, those guys will see minutes. There's that they've got some injuries in the back, and uh, all they really lost is a, th- a third and a fifth for Stahl, and then a fifth with Merrill and Hayden Verbeek. You remember Pat Verbeek? Played for the Hartford Whalers. I think yeah. he played for the well, Rangers. Verbeek too. sounds familiar. Pat Verbeek. That's his kid. We're, Starting to see a lot of these kids, eh? A lot of the kid play, players we grew up watching, seeing their kids come up. Uh, well, you have Moss's kid later on in the show too. Like, just that's right. We're old, bro. Uh, Caden Primo is he? Is that Keith Primo's kid? You think that he's a, a Caden, goalie? He's the backup backup goalie for um, uh, for Montreal right now, or he's he's uh, he's backing up for sure with Carey Price out. Is that, and that must yeah. be Keith's kid. Yeah, I remember seeing that, and he played for Team USA, and uh, Keith, they'd show him in the in the stands. And he was just like on the edge of his seat, <laughs> just clenched, just so nervous. And with this kid playing goalie, wild, it's, it's stressful. Yeah, if you're, uh, you know, a goalie parent. Hey, let me tell you who I think won um, this trade deadline in the North uh, is the next team we're going to talk about. Toronto. Oh man, yeah, they've loaded up. Nick Foligno, I think, is one of the more underrated players. I mean, he's done it all for Columbus. I mean, they made the playoffs the last couple of years. And they've had guys in and out, right? They got Matt Duchesne in and out. Uh, uh, other guys have come in and, uh, and and moved on to other teams. But Nick's been the one steady force there. And uh, I think Toronto, that was a, just a brilliant pickup. And uh, they also got Riley Nash from mm-hmm. uh, 
from uh, Columbus, Columbus, another depth guy. David Riddick to back up uh, Campbell. I think Riddich. Riddick will end up playing a bit. Riddick? 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 It's Riddick, isn't it? Um, know, whatever it is, he's going to play. I think th- there's almost too many options now in a goaltending situation for Toronto. How so? Like, Anderson is, is kind of your number one, but he's dinged up. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the guy that just went 11 in a row? Uh, Jack Campbell. Campbell, who the players love and is hot right now. Mm-hmm. Then you're bringing this guy in, and you say, okay, at some point, there's 18 games left. So are you just riding Campbell through or what? I feel like if you don't win, no matter what your decision is, is bad. And the thing with Toronto is that that goalie needs to be stellar, right? Because if their scoring happens to have a drought in a game, they're not suited for a one nothing game unless the goalie is playing out of their mind. Now, with Felino, and he's going to be a, a second liner because it's probably going to be Hyman, I think, up with um, the two studs. And then you're going to have yeah. Tavares and Felino, and uh, I can't think who the th- uh, third one on that line is. But th- you're getting some, you know, again, top six, top seven forwards there are as good as anybody's. Mm. But again, from a, the defensive standpoint, I still think a goalie is going to have to steal it. So you need to ride the hot hand. So from a coaching standpoint, Having a lot of options is uh, is good, but also bad when you're trying to uh, figure out which hand to go with. You know what I mean? Well, I do. I do. I like David Riddick a lot. I don't know if uh, I don't know how healthy Henrik uh, is. I don't know if um, I, I don't know. I think that, that Toronto must know something that we don't for them to go out and get a goalie like this. Uh, you know. So, and I, I don't think Jack Campbell's a true number one. I think he struggled the last two games. I mean, he lost against Montreal, but the game before that, he let in four, and he looked a little shaky. So, you know, you know, he, ten games. I'll give him credit; he played really great in ten games. But you know, caught up to him. So, we'll see. But they also picked up Ben Hutton really late. Ben Hutton's a, a defenseman with the Anaheim Ducks. So, uh, you know, again, more depth. He can't have enough guys this time of year, eh? He just can't have enough guys. So, kudos to Toronto. They really went out and uh, solidified an already very good team. Um, uh, they look good. I mean, they lost to Montreal last night, but Montreal, that was a must-win for Montreal. So, Yeah, that. I mean, Ottawa played them really tough, too. Like, these rival games. So, with these stats being broken with different things, people have these asterisks and saying, like, well, it's not really, a, you know, it's a, it's a special year. And I think sometimes it's almost harder uh, when you're playing your rivals or people that, you know, you get up for every single time. You don't have the Absolutely. layups from, like, teams that nobody cares about and you're just kind of on the road and, you know, squeak one out or lose one, whatever happens to be. Anyway, I think it's interesting. I think uh, I was curious, like, with the Canucks situation, the COVID Canucks there, should anybody have traded anybody? So there was the Ben, the... Um, Jordy. Jordy Ben from, yeah, Vancouver went to Winnipeg. And I was just like, should there not have been some sort of, um, I mean, he must have to have clearance and, and get tested, all, all that kind of stuff before he goes anywhere. Like, the, you just don't want to have that be an issue for spreading. Um, That's a good point. Anyway, I agree. I think Felino is, is probably the best fit in a lot of the stuff. I actually, uh, again, we're only talking in the Northern Division, but uh, let me ask you quickly about the Taylor Hall trade to oh, yeah. Boston. Mm-hmm. 
18 games left in the season. You know, he's is Taylor Hall as good as people think he is, or, or they're anticipating to get back to his sort of previous form, or what? Well, I mean, I think he is. I think he's he's fast. He's skilled. He can put the puck in the net. And uh, on a team like Boston, full of veterans, he's he's going to do well. You know, everybody in everybody who's who's uh, vacating the Buffalo Sabers right now has nothing good to say about that organization. Co- from coaching to uh, the front office, they're leaving, and they're like, "Thank God." I think Eric Stahl went and said, I, "I that's just part of my past. I will I will assume forget." So really, you know, seeing seeing what's going on in Buffalo and the, and the uh, mass exodus. I think I think he needs a needed a new a fresh start. And was he good in, in New Jersey? He wasn't great. I think he had one season expect- of like ninety three points or something like that. Yeah, so he had a good season. I don't think he lived up to the overall expectation in the in the grand scheme. But yeah, he'll be great. He'll be good there. I mean, you go into like Patrice Bergeron is one of the best centers centermen in the NHL, and you know Marshawn. They've got Krejci and all those guys. He's going to be great there. And he's going on the second line. Right, so he's not going to be at the yeah. top line probably anyway because they got their three guys up there. So maybe it takes some of the pressure off him. You know, he's not sure. expected, and he's got uh, what eighteen games left to kind of and playoffs to see like what his next contract's going to be and what he's worth. So it'll be interesting. Um, I think Tampa Bay adding that David Savard defenseman. I thought that that was a really good pickup for them. Um, Columbus looks like Columbus yeah. is, uh, is Columbus is. The plug. Exactly, they're 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 folding up shop. So, um, very much the uh, the garage sale. But uh, I think Tampa scored a good one there, um, and fits into their system really well. Uh, to be honest, in the in the Canadian one, I thought the Jets were kind of big losers because well, I, they I, didn't make any moves. Yeah, really. that's the next team I want to talk about here is Winnipeg, and they are, the only person they brought in was Jordy Ben. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, they dealt a six-round pick for him. So it's really like a low-risk, you know, depth guy. But, I mean, Jordy Ben, again, I'm a, as a Habs fan, I saw enough of him in Montreal to know that he's not his brother. <laughs> so, right. you know, he's, he's, a, he's a stay-at-home defenseman who throws around his weight. Um, that, that's pretty much all he has to offer. He's, uh, he's not a puck mover. But uh, he, he plays hard. I'll give him that. He plays hard. And, you know, I, it's not, I mean, really, it's another depth guy for Winnipeg. But for a team that's, uh, they've been relying on Hellebuck a, a hell of a lot. So, you know, you thought they, I thought they would have made another move. I thought they would have tried to reassure and bring in some reinforcements. But I guess Paul Maurice likes what he likes, likes what he's got. Yeah. I, hey, there, there's nothing wrong with rolling with things that are working. The issue, I think, is, is when you see a team like Toronto that, you know, again, you went head-to-head with multiple times, very good games. You're both built kind of the same. Mm-hmm. And Toronto goes out and makes these fairly large moves. Yep. And then you don't. And I guess time will tell, and we'll see how it goes, because, you know, everything comes with a risk, you know, gelling, all that kind of stuff. I mean, Toronto's got four... uh previous captains of other organizations all playing together with Spezza, mm-hmm. Thornton, Tavares, and, uh, and now Felino. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the, the amount of leadership in that locker room should be fantastic. And those four aren't even your best players. That's, I was just going to say, those are four quality guys. I mean, are, do they come any more quality than Nick Felino and Joe Thornton? I mean, it's uh, those are as good as it gets in terms of teammates. Um, well, I'm, it's just brilliant. I mean, oh, I mean you can't, t- Tavares and even yeah. Spezza, like I love Spezza in Toronto. 
Yeah, he's and you know what? Galchenyuk has been playing on the first line the last couple nights, and he's playing well thanks to the leadership. I mean, the guy just needed a change of uh, change of scenery and to play with uh, with good players with uh, Matthews and Marner, and he's played well. I think he's played well. He's Not well guy. enough to stay up there, I don't think. But well, we'll we'll see. I, you know, I don't think so either. But um, but hey, you know, like he's another depth guy. Like that's when Alex Galchenyuk is your is your guy in the press box in the playoffs. It's pretty good. You can come out here and score a goal for you on any given night. So I love I love what Toronto's done. Absolutely love it. And I'll shout out to Nick's dad, Mike Foligno. Maybe the best bucket in the history of the NHL. That big round circular thing he used to wear—it's just awesome. And, and he used to when celebration goal, was good. Jump his both his knee knee tuck. He do a knee tuck when he jump. Incredible. I could. Well, you don't, you don't skate very much, but I could, I couldn't even imagine trying to do like the big. No. Even on ground, I don't think I can do that anymore. <laughs> but throw that on skates, like without yeah. just like shattering my ankle or, or whatever. It's yeah. Uh, note to self: no knee tuck, no knee jumps, no anywhere. knee tucks. All right, and we'll quickly go through. It. Edmonton didn't do anything other. They traded Dmitry Kulikov, uh, and in return, they think they got a uh, third and fourth round. Oh, a third round pick. No, sorry, it's a fourth round. Could turn into a third if they win the playoff round. Anyway, whatever that means. Right. And Vancouver, like you said. Uh, you know, it, very interesting. I'm sure, I wonder if COVID had something to do with maybe their lack of movement or lack of selling if nobody wanted to buy in their players who were sick. But um, they dealt uh, ben, Jordy Ben and Adam uh, Godet, who was pretty good for them, actually. And they just got a couple guys, Madison Bowie and Matthew Highmore, I've never even heard of. So um, that's the Northern Division. So clearly the top four teams decided to uh, make some moves and the bottom three might be tapping out for 2021. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, uh, the Earth would shake if uh, if I did the Mike Foligno <laughs> celebration. That's Is that Mike Ferreira. <laughs> no, no, it's great. not. Is Mike? Did everybody check in on Mike because I haven't seen a comment from him yet. Oh, he. You know what? He tends to sometimes he. Uh, I'm surprised. <laughs> you think he would be like uh, an alert on his phone to remind him to come on here, but he might be. I'll send him a text here when we're doing the next sponsor. I gotta say. At one point, I was like, should we push this back an hour? Like, now that the sun is out, whatever. Like, I, there's still kids playing in the streets. Like, you got all these summertime sort of vibes. Uh, you know, the sounds outside and stuff like that. And sometimes you forget that you're like, oh, my goodness, it's already 6 o'clock. I got to go up and get ready to, to, to well, go. But the only drawback with pushing it back an hour, and it, as a you know, you and I are both sports fanatics, right. is that uh, it chews into an hour of Jay's. Yeah. Um, Probably the best hour too. If it's if we go to eight to nine, we miss the all of the best innings. But anyway, uh, you know something to discuss in the future for sure. Uh, speaking of Jays, I think that's our next segment. Um, do we have anybody that wants to join us? Uh, we might. I think uh, I gave our producer Mike, who's also our resident Jays expert. I don't know if we call him. I'm re- We're all good. Analyst. Let's. Let's bring on Mike. Is he there? Oh, look at him. There he is. Who is that? That's the Jays. That's the Jays from two years ago, maybe. Okay. All right. I like it. It looks like a looks looks like a vintage Leafs uh, Maple Leafs logo there. Like it. Now you're just getting insulting. Okay. All right. You're you're a sense fan. Eh? Oh, sorry about that. That's all right. Sorry about that. Uh, how you doing, Mike? I'm good. I'm good. You guys? Yeah. I'm good, Mike. It just a week ago we were talking. We were talking about we were. You could feel the enthusiasm coming out the screen. The three of us about the Jays just a week ago, 
And now, I mean, again, it's only 10 games. I'm not, I'm not, we has 152 more games, but now they're last place. And it's just, it's just, I don't, I don't care what point of the season it is. When you open up the newspaper, do people even do that anymore? Or you log on to MLB.com and you, you look at the standings and you see your team last place as a player. It's got to be a little discouraging at any point in the season. No. Uh, yeah, I would say it is. And I would think uh, maybe more so with the way they've lost the games. You know, they've yeah. been in every game, the extra inning game. Yeah. Uh, you know, with that new rule, you get the runner on second and you're able to uh, lock it down in the in the top half. And, uh, you know, their home opener and they can't bring in that run. So I, I would think, yeah, there's a bit of frustration on their part where you're, you're like, we were three and one last week at this time. <laughs> and now you're looking, you know, from the basement. So, yeah. Uh, but it, it, again, like you said, it's early and, uh, I don't think, uh, anybody's hitting the panic button right now. No. And you know, uh, again, that we haven't even seen George Springer and, yeah. uh, you know, that, that is my, leads me to my first point, you know, right now, as it stands now, uh, just the, uh, the East, the AL East, the Boston Red Sox are six and three after going mm-hmm. 0 and three Yanks at five and five and five Rays at five and five Kevin Kiermeyer, by the way, said he's had enough of being thrown at. And uh, he wants a piece of the Yankees. So the next time those two teams play, you might want to keep an eye out. Orioles are four and five. I, I like their team. It's a young team. And then the Jays are four and six. So um, leads me to my first point. Last year, if the Jays would have played 162 games rather than 60, would they have made the playoffs? Uh, I mean, a lot could have changed over that that uh, biggest stretch because you're talking, what, triple the – over triple the games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so much is up to question, but I, I think the way they were rolling, I think so. You think so? Okay. Uh, if 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 all other things being equal, so you're only playing those those teams within your division, uh, you know, you're not playing the full AL East or uh, sorry, the uh, full AL with your interleague games, and, and you're playing 162 games against those those teams they they were in their division with. I would think so, but uh, uh, you know, and, and again with the acquisitions they went out and got last year. Uh, I think everybody came in and 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 filled a role that they needed. Uh, so if you got those guys for half a season, uh, yeah, I, I I think they would have uh, just just based on on how they did last year. Your brother-in-law shaking his head, Brock. Yeah, and actually, Mike brings up good points, and maybe he's right. Maybe if we're not playing, you know, the Rays as many times as we did uh, in the shortened season, because they had the Jays' number for the most part. Um, and you do sort of spread out the games you're playing and have some better matchups. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. I guess when you first say it, if it was the same setup as last year and it was 162 games of that same format, I don't think they'd do it. But you do bring up a good point that if it was some other options in terms of who you're playing against, then uh, then possibly. But um, I, I found them very streaky, uh, which – Again, is a is a baseball thing, really. Anyway, but um, yeah, I, I anyway, they didn't instill a lot of confidence in me that they would have done and been as successful with the long term. I found that the shorter season probably played in their favor a little bit. Yeah, and I my how I feel about the situations. I don't think they would have made the playoffs. I think what we would have seen as the season progressed. I liked it. The Taiwan Walker pickup was great. The Robbie Ray pickup was great. What I didn't like towards the end of their their season last year was, I mean, they snuck in the playoffs and they won, they clinched, but they kind of stumbled a little bit towards the end. You know, Vladdy was out of shape. Um, the defense was atrocious. I mean, Travis Shaw was awful. 
you know, I think some of the young guys would have hit that sort of freshman slump midway through the season. We never saw it last year. It was just a full sprint. So I think what we're seeing now is, you know, and again, it's super early. I'm not, I'm not jumping the gun by any means, but like, you know, teams are, have adjusted to Kevin Biggio. Teams have adjusted to Bo a little bit. And uh, we're seeing them. They got it. They have to adjust on the fly here because they can't go. I mean, they can't be, you know, 10 games under 500 with after 30 or 40 games. It's a tough division. You know, the Sox aren't going anywhere. Sox are tough. The Sox are good. I mean, I, I'm not – Jackie Bradley Jr. and Ben Attendee, the two guys that they dealt this this uh, offseason, are a combined four for 26 so far. So, like, they didn't lose, like, uh, Mookie Betts again, and they ended up bringing in two utility guys to replace them. So, guys, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think what we're seeing now before George Springer is we're seeing what the Jays actually really are or would have been last year had the whole season uh, actually been complete. So we need to see George Springer. You think George Springer is going to make that big a difference, guys? This is like a sandwich of negativity. It's like two negative <laughs> breads with Mikey's positive in the middle. <laughs> like two pieces of bread and he's the jelly. The yeah, jelly. Right. You, okay. you guys are killing me too because I came in all high. and now Yeah, I'm... sorry. No, 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 please. Please, what does Springer bring? What will Springer bring? Look, he, he's going to, uh, if nothing else, the absolute minimum, the guy is going to jumpstart things. He's, he's going to be that uh, catalyst that where you go from uh, a, a, you know, a runner in scoring position with a drop of a hat, that, that's what he can do e- either hitting extra bases or stealing uh, and, and putting himself in position. He's got power. Uh, you know, he, he's going to, he's going to slug uh, what he does and, and uh, cash runs, uh, you know, pr- produce runs either himself or guys on base from the, from the bottom of the order. And I know right now that doesn't seem like anybody's getting on from the bottom of the order, but again, I, People will come around. Like uh, Rowdy Telez, the guy is a professional hitter. Uh, say what you want about his defense and, and where he fits in in the scheme, but uh, he, he's a professional hitter. He'll he'll come around. He, he's got one hit this year. Kirk, same thing. He you know his hitting is what got him here. Uh, now are the Jays losing a bit a bit of patience with him? Maybe, but if if they're able to stick it through, he he will come around as well and make an adjustment. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Biggio. I don't know if if uh, teams have figured him out as much as he's trying to play a new role and and find out where he fits and what works for him. He, you know, we heard all spring about how he's going to be more aggressive, and, and uh, you know, I I, I sort of uh, shrugged when I heard that because I was like, why change what's working so right. well? The guys on base was out of this world, uh, but again, they're moving him down in the order. Maybe he thought, well, now I have a chance to. I'll, I'll see more pitches with someone better batting behind me. Uh, not not that uh, Vigio was uh, rather uh, Bichette. Uh, Bichette was a sl- uh, slouch, but uh, you know a guy with more power. Um, so so it, that might be something for him. But Springer's going to help. Uh, I, th- I think he's going to give them that confidence too, where there's a bit of a strut behind their walk, uh, especially if Guerrero's still doing what he's doing. Uh, by the time he joins, Guerrero's fully. Listen, Guerrero is what we're seeing with him is what he is. He's fi- he's finally confident, and he's in shape, and he's conf- like a, even playing defense. He's he's there. He's alert. I mean, a couple of balls went over his glove. I think at first there was a couple of rockets, but I mean, all all in all, I thought he's I think he's played really well. I, I couldn't agree more, and I think it's one of those things that uh, it just reinforces that that the right training, the right like you practice the way you play, and he put in the work and. Now he knows how good he is because he's done it all winter. Uh, he's lost the weight. Uh, so so he's coming in feeling, you know, confident. Like, you try and get me out. 
And uh, he, his, his strike zone command is a thousand times what it was mm-hmm. last year uh, yep. against Garrett Cole yesterday. He was watching borderline pitches that, that were balls that, that he took knowing they were balls. He did watch one go right down the pipe. <laughs> that, uh, a few actually. And he was waiting for something different, obviously. But I was like, oh, that hurt. But, again, Garrett Cole is the sort of. You knew standard. Garrett Cole wasn't going to, because that was his second start this year, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Against, against, against Toronto. Against yeah. Toronto. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he had a game in between or not either, but because uh, it was pretty short between the, the, the series. Anyway, Garrett Cole was not going to lose to the Jays twice in a row to start. You know what I mean? Like, you just you can, yeah, see, you you can, can almost see feel when it. He was trailing one nothing. He was angry. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he was not a happy camper. But, uh, yeah, he, he locked it down after that uh, first inning. It's, it's amazing what we're seeing with pitchers, though, now. I mean, uh, either out of the pen or starters. I mean, they're, they're, touching, they're touching 99, 98 everywhere. Um, that's and then you've got guys now who have figured out that if they throw a 80 mile an hour anything, <laughs> it's it's it, it's impossible. I mean, we saw. I, did you see the highlight with Zach Grinky last night? He threw a 51 mile an hour. Uh, it's the slowest pitch thrown ever thrown. Um, yeah, and he threw it as a I think it was like a two one count or something like that. And he threw it for in for a strike. The guy didn't even blink. He just oh, but the 51 miles an hour. So we're seeing guys, you know, touch the, touch the radar at 100 and then throw at 80 miles. I mean, the difference, I'd be lost. I'd be completely lost at the plate. That's oh, where you find the velocity with the, the Jays pitchers because if you, if you watch the games and you see, like, how they're losing, how are they, the opposing team scoring runs on them, a lot of it's the long ball. So if you have that, those pitches come in at that high velocity, just a, a little mistake, getting the bat on the ball, the ball's going to carry. And we're seeing a lot of home runs given up. So if they can sort of figure out to keep the ball in the park, I think that was the biggest thing for me over the last little while was seeing the Jays team. Now, yes, Mike and I spoke about it. The Angels game, it was 15-whatever. The Angels had no business being there. They had no desire to be there. Mm, They, They were done. But that was 15 runs that were no home runs. Which, you know, back in 2015 or whatever was a, a lineup full of guys that can go yard at any given time. But when they're on base, what happens there? The quality of players that the Jays have being younger, and they had both young guys in there, in uh, Espinal and uh, Palacio? Palacio? Palacios, Josh Palacios. <clears throat> both playing in that game, you know, both getting a bit of confidence because they got hits, they got on base, they started moving. You know, when those guys are on base, it's not the same Jays where it's like, okay, you know, Edwin got a walk. He's at mm-hmm. first. Now what? We're just waiting for somebody to hit behind. These guys can make something happen. So what I want to see and I hope to see is some more aggressiveness from a play call from, from Charlie and those guys. Say, look, let's, let's push it. Let's make the defense. Let's make the opposing teams make great professional plays to get us out. Otherwise, let's push it, and it's been better for sure. But I see, I feel like they can they can create a run when they need to. Let's not. We don't need to play for four runs an inning. If you get a a run every single inning, you know, I'd rather that than having four in one inning and then zeros across the board. Just play. Just you know, use that to your advantage. That's my thoughts. I agree, and but it's got to be strategic. The the uh, there's been two instances. One uh, was a caught stealing at third base. Uh, and I can't remember what game it was, but but somebody was caught at third when you you have a there's just no reason to, to try and swipe that bag. It was the third out of the inning of the inning, 
uh, it ran them out of the situation. And you're scoring. There's two out. You're scoring on uh, on any hit as it is. If it's out of the infield, if it's not a you know almost a swinging bunt or something, you're scoring. Uh, so to, to try and swipe that bag, it doesn't make sense. The other play was when Davis came into pinch run. You knew the the pitcher was pissed off that he he allowed that runner in the first place. I think it was he hit uh, Rowdy Telez, and then they they brought in Davis to pinch run. That's where he got the pitcher picked was off. Mad. Sorry, say again. This one he got picked off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You knew the pitcher was mad about it, and so and bringing in a pinch runner, you're automatically on high alert. This guy's going to try and steal. So to get picked off in that situation, on I don't I don't even know if he'd thrown a pitch to uh, to Semyon who came into bat. He might have thrown one. But he, he had thrown over, thrown over, and I think it was the, the second or third time he threw over, he got picked off. And it just, it can't ha- happen. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that was like in the bottom of the ninth or something as well. Because then it ended up taking Davis away from being that, that runner at second base in the extra innings. Because he came in for... That's right. I think it was, yeah, for Telez, who had came in for a catcher maybe, and then Kirk ended up being on second, second base as a runner in extra innings, which, again, strategically didn't play out very well. Because there was actually a pass ball as well, where Kirk yeah, it, Davis exactly. would have been a third. Kirk wasn't. And that's it. And that's, you know, it leads me to my next yeah, point. And, and, uh, who's- oh. we got a little delay there. Are, we, are you guys good? There might be a little bit of delay. I think Mike has uh, understood. So you finish your question, Pep. I was going to say, it leads me to my my next uh, topic, which is the catchers. Um, I've been thoroughly unimpressed with both guys. Uh, calling a good game, yeah. I mean, I you know, Kirk actually called a great game with uh, Robbie Ray the other night. But uh, oh, overall, from a hitting perspective. There have been a couple of instances where Danny Jansen, you know, a guy gets a leadoff double, Jansen comes up there, and he and he grounds to short. I mean, you can't get the bat, your bat on the ball to, to push it up first to advance the runner. Like, I mean, little things like that as a catcher, you're, if you're not going to hit, you got to be able to do the little things. And Jansen, I mean, this is his, this is his third year now, and I'm, you know, I'm running out of patience as a fan for, for his offense. And I get that your catcher's not going to hit you 25 homers or whatever, and he's not going to hit 280, but you got to get something from your catcher. And, you know, the, my patience is running out, and I think the Jays' patience might be running out soon. And I could see them in a market for an, a veteran catcher if there's anybody out on the uh, – or they might give Riley Adams a look, or maybe they bring up Reese McGuire and see what's going on. But right now um, – I kept right telling now, him, go for Molina at the time when he was a free agent. That was well, the position I wanted to see them snag a guy like that, to be if honest. If you're going to go for it, if you're going to load up and you spend all this money up the middle, then why wouldn't you get a veteran catcher, Mike? Yeah, hey, I agree. It, it's a position, too. I think if you had added a guy who's league average, you're gaining almost 100 points in batting average over, yeah. over the course of the season. Right. You know, and and if, if, if defense is, like if all other things being equal, that's 100 points you're gaining. Uh, you're, you're 100% right with, with Jansen. Uh, if if you have a low batting average, but you can get you can advance a runner there in that situation, your 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 average will stay the same. Your average will still be low, but your team will know what you do in those situations. They will make a note. He, yes, he gets the job done. He advances the runner. It it won't it won't make its way. You, you won't you won't be in an all star game because they'll see your average and say, oh, you're you, you hit for you're not good enough. But I, but your team will know what you do. Uh, 
if, if that makes any sense. But yeah. so, and and they, he's not getting it done. You're right. He's not doing the little things that that don't show up on the score sheet, but but uh, have an effect on the game. And he's not doing that. If if then you have uh, two outs to work with to get a deep fly to get anything can happen to get that run in from third. Uh, it, it's it's disappointing. It's frustrating. Uh, that, that's another one of the frustrating losses I talked about that coming on that, um, again, it's it's a big swing from, and, and those might be wins you need to get in the playoffs come September. If you're not going to you know, bunt, if you're not going to hit, throw yourself in front of a pitch like that Met player. Well, that's, you know, honest to God, like the, the dude, you got to do something to get on base. And look, I look at a guy like Kurt Suzuki for the Angels, who's, I don't think he's a career 210 hitter. But he gets his bat on the ball somehow, some way to advance the runner and do the little things, and he's a great catcher behind the plate. So if Jansen needs to wants to take that step, next step forward from just not just being a defensive catcher, he's got to be able to do those things. Otherwise, I mean, I don't think Kirk's ready. I mean, I like Kirk. I don't. I don't think he's ready for the bigs quite yet, to be perfectly honest. So um, before we move on to our, we're going to move on to our sponsor shortly. I just want to make one more comment, Brock and Mike, about. One of the positives, and Mike, you came in here all gung-ho about uh, some positive stuff. I'm really impressed with their pitching, namely Steven Matz. And uh, Robbie Ray has put on 15 pounds of muscle, and it showed last night, and he pitched a great game. So I think suddenly the Jays are quite happy with, you know, Ryu, Ray, and uh, Matz, and you throw a guy like, uh, like Pearson in there once he's healthy. Hey, now you got yourself a little something. I, I agree. couldn't agree more. Uh I, I, I think there's there's a significant drop off between those three and and if they get Pearson, uh, those four guys. But uh, having said that, the 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 only thing I would knock is the the way they left Ray in the game. I I, I thought he was looked tired in the fourth uh, before he came out, and then uh, coming out uh, in the fifth, that's when he gave up the dinger and um, uh, it, it just it, it begged the question. The guy just came back. Why are we uh, leaving him in there? Well, that's it, and he has, he was already at seventy pitches or something like that. So I mean, uh, that, yeah, that's a great point. But uh, anywho, I forgot to do the. I forgot that one. All right, let's. Do you ever go to Exhibition Stadium? Do you ever watch a game there? Like before the Sky Dome? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. You? No, I was. I think. I think there's only one guy in our, or maybe two guys in our on our whole UC page that I know of who went, who actually saw a game there, and I'd like, I'd like to get their perspective on it because it was the where the Argos played, right? It was the, it was built for football, and it was just a weird like. <laughs> there was no wall. They had to build. They just put a. They just put like a rubber wall and on the in right field. It was bizarre, but. Did anyway, they just like use trash bags like the Minnesota Twins did? Kinda, yeah. Garbage, yeah. literally. Did I send you guys that? Uh, there's a video on YouTube where they, a news reporter, did a story about the, uh, uh, because I think the provincial government had just allowed the sale of beer at uh, Exhibition <laughs> Stadium for oh. baseball games, and <laughs> okay. and uh, I think the price was a dollar seventy five, and the fan Jeez. says, uh, "I know I won't be having any beers for a dollar seventy five." Oh, now it's 14. That's when uh, houses yeah, were exactly. 50 grand. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, geez. All right. <laughs> Are you selling or buying? Call Tracy Iskander with Royal LePage and Group Philip LeMay. 
They have the buyers and the right game plan to find you a new home. You'll get personalized service in all sectors of the Udaway region. Tracy's fluently bilingual and with a combined 40 years of real estate experience at Group Philip LeMay, you can rest assured your home buying journey will be handled with first class care and the best prices on the market. Call Tracy today at 613-324-3781 or email her at tracy at tracyiskander.com. You know what? I want an email like that. I want Pierre at pierrecariotti.ca. Is that something? Can, can you make that happen? We, we probably could make that happen. Yeah. Just line <laughs> okay. up the next sponsor or two and we'll figure that out. Okay. Sounds good. I, I would be... Anybody who searches up PierreCariotti.com yeah. to go to your website is probably going to end up on some list. You know what? I say a lot of stupid stuff, and you probably have the best reactions to the stupid <laughs> stuff I ever I bring up. It's just great. Uh, okay, uh. we got uh, we started the goat of goat brackets mm. last week, and um, we're going to bring in one other opinion into. This goat of goat conversations, and that's Curtis, our fact checker in the back. Come on in, Curtis. Curdy Kurt. <laughs> it's your walk-up song, bud. <laughs> what is that? Like what is it. that? What is that Black Sabbath? What do you got going there? Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van Fleet. Oh, oh yeah, nice. no, I've never heard of him. She sounds nice. <laughs> All right, we're bringing you on short segment. We're going to be talking uh, the goat of all goats. So last week we had the uh, Gretzky versus Mia Hamm and LeBron James versus Babe Ruth, mm-hmm. which uh, f- for it was unanimous, I think, within ours uh, for Gretzky and LeBron moving forward. <clears throat> now, this week we are touching upon another uh, quadrant of it. And this one is actually labeled. So the the one we did last week was called Playmakers. This one's called Elite. Um, And the versus is Lionel Messi versus Ronaldo. So two soccer Mm -hmm. players. Mm -hmm. I still have the bracket up here. I wonder where. uh, Yeah, I do. Here we go. So it's the top right quadrant. Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. And then we got Roger Federer versus Michael Phelps. Oh, that's a tough one. There's some, again, good arguments for a lot of people in this. You want to start, Pep? Sure. I'll go, you know, Messi and Ronaldo. Lionel Messi is a beautiful soccer player. Um, He's got some incredible goals. I've never seen enough of Ronaldo... Has he even won more than Messi has? I'm going to go Lionel Messi for sure. I'm going to go Messi in that bracket. And uh, Michael Phelps, I, how many Olympics did he play in or did he did he participate in? Was it more than one? Because I know he won a boatload of those gold medals in one Olympics. Did he, was, it, was it over the span of two Olympics? Uh, well, he had one Olympics where he won like record-setting amount of medals. I'm pretty sure he was in multiple. Our fact checker is here actually talking with us, so it's, yeah. we're taking him away from the Google machine. It's this, at least two he's been. It's got to wow. be at least two. Well, then you got Roger Federer, who's arguably the greatest tennis player ever. Um, and, it, you know, really, that's, that's, not a, uh, that's a pretty fair statement. He's geez, 20 years. Tennis is a hard game. 
on every surface, and he's still playing and playing at a high level. I'm going to go Roger Federer. I'll go Federer and Messi. Federer and Messi. All right. That's one and one. So just to clarify, or I just did a quick little search there, and Ronaldo's played 148 games more than Messi in his entire career, uh, has scored 39 more goals. Um, Messi has given 85 assists more than Ronaldo in his entire career, making a total of 1,043 goals generated in 912 games. Oh, good Lord. He's like the Adam Oates of soccer. Uh, honestly, for me, from a soccer standpoint, I think it's almost a toss-up. Again, I don't watch a lot of soccer, but I know both the... If you said, name me two soccer players, I'm naming these two guys, and then it drops off pretty significant. Got the headbutt of the other guy in the, Olymp- in the Olympics? Oh, Zidane. That guy, yeah. I'll remember that. Yeah. Zinedine Zidane. Zidane, okay. yeah. That was... That was memes before memes were popular. Yeah, like right. it was a Mortal Kombat finishing move, I think, before the World Cup was even over. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, Mike, what do you got? Uh, I'll take uh, Federer for the quadrant because I'm not a soccer guy, and I <laughs> I couldn't tell you which is which of those two. Fair enough. I mean, hey, bend it like Beckham is another guy I remember. Yeah, David Beckham, you know, yeah. Rooney. Again, if Rooney, you're in movies, yeah. uh, Ronaldo reminds me of my buddy Dave Azzi, like looks-wise. So I'm always – that's I automatically connect the two all the time. So I'll, I'll take Ronaldo over Messi just because. Curtis, Greta, what do you got? Again, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> – I'm wondering why you brought us on here because none of us are soccer guys. It's not like we have. <laughs> I wanted to get this one. Of the, you know what? Okay, give me your answers, and we'll do another quadrant right after this. Uh, I'm gonna take Messi only because my boss was a my boss is from Portugal, huge soccer guy, and he'd always complain that Ronaldo never could win the big one. So, <laughs> just out of that fact, I'm taking Messi. So, All right. And hey. On the other, on the other, uh, the other side, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Federer. Uh, did look uh, Phelps was at five Olympics apparently? Uh, what? And, uh, yeah, he, he attended five Olympics. Uh, didn't win the first one, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Federer just because yeah. he's doing a long time against tough competition. And, Are you eating uh, chips or something right next to the microphone? Maybe. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's right next to the mic. Um, okay, so you got messy. So it looks like. Messi's going to be the one that goes through on that one. That's fine. Messi, Pep, do you change anything from Phelps if he's at five Olympics? No, I, I, watching Federer all through the years, and I'm a big fan of Federer and how he's played. And I mean, to win a single tournament is is almost impossible in tennis. It's so hard to do. So I'm going to give it to Federer. One of the most impressive things I've seen Phelps do was one of his putts at this uh, celebrity golf tournament. Celebrity amateur pro am or something like that. Anyway, he hit some like two hundred foot putt. Like he's not even on the green. I don't think or the green's massive. Anyway, that was I was more impressed with that than the swimming. I guess Phelps it's interesting. Cat. He's got like uh, he's built for swimming, right? He's got a webbed feet or something like that. And he's got his lats or the way they're designed propels him. The way they're designed. Him. Yeah, the way he's the way he trained his lats. They developed to a, a point where he's basically like a a devil ray. Like it's crazy. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, I know he used to eat 10,000 calories a day. So I was like, and he's lean. I'll do his. Anyway, okay. 
Um, <clears throat> we're going to do another quadrant because, like Curtis said, why did I bring him on for soccer? Uh, okay, you can pick which quadrant you want to do, Curtis. Which one? So we got Ooh. the uh, superstar one, which is the Tom Brady quadrant, or we have the uh, uh, the Michael Jordan, Mario Lemieux quadrant. And so I can't pick anyone. It's just the two you're giving me. That's what you're I'm saying. picking. Well, I'm picking those two quadrants. So Tom Brady, Usain Bolt, or and Muhammad Ali, Lisa Leslie. That one we can talk about today, or we can do the one with uh, MJ Lemieux. Okay. Well, let's, yeah. let's do the MJ one. MJ. Um. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm going MJ. Oh my god. Okay, um, MJ. No other reason, just because. Well, I know you're not a big MJ guy, but uh, hard to argue that he's, a, you know, the best ever basketball player. Uh, I know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can't argue it, but I mean, him versus Mario. Uh, you know, that's. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you got Wayne Gretzky on the on the hockey side, so I think like MJ is Wayne Gretzky basketball type thing. Hard to argue that. Yeah. Is anybody else up here would argue for Mario Lemieux over MJ? You know, I would argue for him because their careers are similar. They started around the same time. They both took a leave at some point. They were both at their peak, the best player in the world at what they did. And I think Gretzky would agree that Mario at his peak was the best. At his size, his speed, his hands. Um so their their careers were parallel, like they really were. It's it, like, at the same time, like I say. Uh, but George, I mean, six t- six titles could have could have won nine. Should have won nine if he didn't retire, didn't go play whatever he, baseball. He, they they would have won nine easily. Oh, Pittsburgh won in ninety one and ninety two, and if Mario wasn't whatever, they would have won for as long as he was sick. No, no, no. If Mario wasn't what? If he wasn't, when did he, he get, get sick? sick? Yeah, if he didn't yeah, get but he sick, came back. They would have won 12 championships. Well, that's hard to say. All right, whatever. MJ. Yeah. You're going to say, well, it's also hard to say that that, uh, Chicago would have won those three. Well, Uh, they won 50 games without him. So if he would have been there, they probably would have beat the Knicks that one year, and they they would have definitely beat the Rockets back-to-back. That's just my opinion. Yeah, likely. Maybe. I mean, the refs. I mean, the the league wanted that, so it would have happened anyway. All right. Okay. (laughs) Um, Mike, you don't disagree with MJ, I'm assuming? MJ all the way. Uh, yeah, you oh, can't you argue that. Rhyme, but okay. And uh, I have, I have, uh, uh, what's, uh, Serena Williams, sorry. Serena versus Tiger. So we got one Serena Williams. Mm. Curtis, Serena Williams, I, yeah. Tiger Woods. Mm. I, got, I, I think I agree with Mike. I think I'm going to go for Serena. Mm. P dog. Mm. I'm a, I'm going Tiger because of what he did for the game of golf, uh, inter- introducing it to a whole generation that probably would have not played golf, and of course his accomplishments. But I mean, go- he he made golf kind of cool. Um, not nothing against Serena, fantastic, <clears throat> but she was just so physically more dominant than every other player on the on the tour. Um, I guess you could say the same thing about Woods at the time. I'm going to go Woods just because of what, what he did for golf. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's, that is hard to argue where golf was before Tiger Woods and where it is now. Um, 
You know, can you say the same for where women's tennis is to where it is now? I'm not sure. I don't know. I, women's tennis was in good shape with Steffi Graf and Mavritilova and stuff like that. And Serena took it to a whole sort of other level. But with that good came the bad with their dad. He was a bit of a jerk. And like, it was just a whole, there was a whole era with her, her and Venus and the dad. And I didn't, it's kind of soured me initially. As she, her career progressed, I became more of a fan of hers. Um, but she wasn't likable for a couple of years. I'm just going to throw that out there. She wasn't likable for with the whole thing with the yelling at the umpire and I'm going to, I'll going to throw this ball in your throat and all this and that. It didn't endear me to her. And, and I wasn't, I never really felt warm and fuzzy anyway. So people would argue that Tiger Woods went through a little thing where he wasn't likable either, but golfing when people didn't care tour? about it. No, not necessarily on the tour, I guess in personal things, but, oh, um, <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, I think I was leaning towards Tiger Woods myself just again, because of what he's done for the, the sport of golf and how it's kind of transcended it. Plus how hard it is to win. When you talk about how hard it is to win a, a tennis, I find winning a, a, a PGA tour event is probably harder. I find you got to make the cut and then you got to play the tournament it's and you got to play the tournament hard. and you're not playing against somebody directly either. It's not like you hey, can control hey, hey, tiger. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I knew we'd reel him in if we talked about it yeah, long enough. <laughs> long enough, we get it. Okay, we're going Tiger. All right. All right. Look, that's it for the GOAT. We'll get you back on for the uh, the Brady, Usain Bolt, Muhammad Ali, Lisa Leslie, which I don't think is actually um, – much of a competition there. We got to talk. We got to do the ho- the in the hall or not at all, and all four of you can participate. It won't take very long. Okay, let's do that. I have no soundbite for it, so you can no roll problem. Okay, guys, this is home run leaders, a list of home run leaders that are not in the Hall of Fame. So, it's a surprising list of guys who uh, I think some of these guys should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame, and that's a whole other debate with the steroid era and all that good stuff. But just based on their statistics, actually based on whatever, if you th- if you don't think they belong because they took steroids, then that's fine. Um, but I'm going to name you some guys, and you just in the hall or not. Okay? Um, we'll start. We'll go uh, clockwise. We'll go Kurt, Brock, Mike. Okay, ready? Sounds uh, good. In the hall, um, Edwin Encarnacion. No. No, He's not eligible so. yet. He had he has 410 career home runs, 424 career home runs. Uh, I'm brought, no for me. Uh, I just think, yeah, I, it's tough. I I would say no. I think just based on other guys who aren't in there right now. Uh, no from me. No for you. Okay. Yeah. Is that because he's a DH primarily? That he didn't uh, early on. He was garbage, uh, and 500 is more or less the sort of. Benchmark for Hall of Fame to, to me. Andrew Jones, former Atlanta Brave center fielder. I'm going yes. 435 homers. Ah, I'm still saying no. If Ed wins he, not, I'm going to say no. I can see him getting in, yeah. Jason Giambi. Mm. Mm-hmm. 440. Uh, oh, I think he was linked to the steroid era as well, right? So I'm going to say no. A few of these guys coming up might be, yeah. Uh... I have no problem with it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Jason Giambi? No from, no from, yeah, no from me. Okay. We talk about the steroid era. 
like the 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 Maguire Sosa Barry Bonds type thing that like year or whatever it was of just awesomeness. Sh- yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like awesome. it, it was awesome. Yeah, but Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds pre steroids still had 450 homers. So I mean, he had a good first half of his career. Anyway, moving on. Carlos Del- Delgado, 473 homers. Oh, oh, not affiliated with the with the, any steroids. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go. Yeah, Padres and Jays, and I'll yeah, I'll say yeah. Mike's in delay. He'll tell us yes in about okay. four to forty minutes. Yes, from me. Yep. Oh, excellent. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Uh, Jose Canseco, 462 homers. I mean, oh, me- what a member. Did, did you guys catch? The the shit show that he put on in that the fighting championship or whatever. Oh, he's a hot mess. <laughs> the dive he took. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, was that against like Butterbean or some big fat guy? Eh? No, it was against. Uh, no, it was against the barstool kid. The kid from barstool. Oh, uh, Dave Portno is livid. <laughs> yeah, and he called him out on that. I think I think Conseco yeah. put money on on the other guy. Based on that whole, just, just no. Just a good business guy. <laughs> He's a clown. The only the only thing I picture when I hear that, see that guy, is like him, the home run ball going off his head. Yeah, the Texas one. That was what the blooper we had last week. Yeah. yeah. No. Awesome. Brock? No. No, Mike. he's not. No. Yeah, Stelgato is a Hall of Famer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, are we still on Stelgato? We do out to one of the Bash brothers. Uh, no, Canseco, no, not for me. No, okay. I, I'm, uh, I'm actually, I think he is a Hall of Famer only because of all his antics and the fact that he, even towards the last couple of years, his one, his last year with the Yankees, he was hitting 35, 40 home runs be- before the, I guess he got blackballed from the league, but he, the guy was mashing. And, you know, 460 career homers, he probably got to play another couple of years. Okay. Um, Fred McGriff, 493 career home runs, traded for, uh, famously traded for Joe Carter. Yeah, I say Freddie. Yeah, crime dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the thing that killed me is he was cut from Tampa Bay in his final year, and the Jays could have brought him back, and he he would have had enough time to get those seven dingers. And it, it always irked me. They were they were going to nowhere. get to five hundred. Yeah, like like, yeah. and it would have been a thing. Like they could have brought him back, let him do it. They weren't <laughs> making the playoffs. There was no. They weren't close. Oh, that always bugged me. But I uh, that. yeah, I'd say. Uh, I'd say yes. There are sentimental reasons, but all right. Now we're getting to some pretty. Now there's a few other players here. We'll try to speed this up. Uh, David Ortiz. Yes. Yeah. 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 Five hundred forty-one home runs. Uh, yeah. First ballot, if, if, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Mark McGuire. He's got five hundred eighty-three career home runs, and I know the one year he had sixty-two or whatever, and he just or whatever ended up finishing with. But um, I put him in. I don't. I don't. I don't know if they'll put him in, but yeah. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, I'm all over Mark McGuire and the again the excitement he brought, and now he's like a hitting coach too, isn't he? Yeah, he, yeah, he was. I don't know if he still is, but yeah. You you all you in Mike for Mark McGuire? Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. The whole, that steroid era, we could have a whole show on it. As far as I'm concerned, you still got to hit the ball. I know you right? get your juiced up, and you but you still got to hit it. And anyway, I know uh, guys Sammy on Sosa. sauce can't hit a golf ball on the ground. Like try and hit a 99 mile an hour fastball. Well, that's it. 
Uh, Sammy Sosa has 609 career home runs, which is, uh, my math is uh, correct, uh, you know, 17 plus 9. So it's 16 more homers than Mark McGuire. But um, 17 plus 9 is not 16, but wait, 26? No, no, 17. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but for me, I'll, and I'll go, I'll go first, I don't put Sosa in the hall. Why? I don't know. He doesn't stand out to me as much as McGuire did throughout McGuire's entire career. Sosa, for me, was like, a three-year kind of wonder, and then before and after that, I don't really remember him. Sosa's biggest thing was the him and Maguire. You know what I mean? So he was mm-hmm. like the the counter to Maguire, like who's going to get to whatever. But after that, it was again, like you said, it was he was kind of gone. Maguire was still Maguire. And then the Cubs make the playoffs that year, and the Cardinals didn't. During Possibly. that during that uh, that run, the Cubs actually made the playoffs. So I'll give Sosa a little bit there, but I mean, at six hundred nine home runs, you should be an automatic bid. But he just didn't didn't wow me before and after that. Was it is it just me? You want to be wowed? Get him voted in the Hall of Fame, and then see what he looks like when he goes up to take his award. <laughs> oh, hello! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> That's wild, eh? There's yeah. a I can't remember the there's a term for that. It's like a pigmentation thing. It's wild. Yeah. Michael Jackson okay. syndrome. Yeah. Uh, a Rod. 696 homers. Yep. It's a big number. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Rod. Yeah. yeah. Good career. Albert Pujols. Yeah. 662. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're all this. Uh, Barry Bonds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know what Barry Bonds has accomplished, uh, all the issues with it's all I mean, these top guys are all steroid era guys. So we're, there's an, clearly a divide here. But, uh, and then the last one was an interesting one I put this is uh, Manny Ramirez, 555 career home runs. I think he has a couple World Series wins with uh, with Red Sox. Red Sox, he, Dodgers too, maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Or I know he played with the Dodgers anyway. Um, it doesn't stand out to me as much as some of the other mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty one dimensional. Yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't. I'd say no. And the last one it's is no Pete f- Rose. Is Pete Rose going in the uh, Hall of Fame? No? Oh, okay. Pete, Pete Rose should be. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It is I, ridiculous. And I get it. I get that. Just, that's the Cardinals, and you don't bet on, on your own game and all that. I get all that. But, man, the guy was like, it's Charlie Hustle. He got 3,000 hits. I mean, yeah, come he, on. He, yeah. Canseco just, just bet he, on himself to get knocked out by some punk kid in a bar stool freaking uh, <laughs> rough and rowdy. I love come him. On. I love Canseco. I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> Wasn't it? Who was he shooting his shot with, too? There was some, uh, uh, there was some celebrity female he was like shooting his shot with, like through Barstool. Uh, was it Jennifer Lopez? Because yeah, yeah. her and A Rod had split for a second. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, he's, a, he's an op- opportunist. He's, uh, <laughs> he's something. He's and something didn't he, all right. Didn't he claim to have a twin brother? At one point, he does have a he brother. does have a twin brother. He does have a brother, but didn't he put on glasses and he he would say that this was? Oh no, that wasn't me. That was. Oh, maybe oh it was, it was him that did it. Uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> he, he kept sort of. I remember hey, having was, the baseball card with both of them on it. He definitely had a brother, but I just oh, twin brother. I think. Yeah. Is that the end of your? Uh, That's all I got. In the hall or not at all? In the hall or not at all? Hey, all right. That was that was fun. I mean, there was some. I got to go. We got to get the clip for the uh, Canseco one for uh, next week. I'll find yeah, the, off his the, head. The, the one where he, no, the one where he gets knocked out by some kid. I got to get his stats. He had a year with the Jays where he hit 40 homers. He did. Yeah. He did play pretty well with the Jays when he was mm-hmm. there. Yeah. 
All right. I think that uh, that brings us to an end. It's 20 after 8. Again, apologize for going long. We are going out to uh, none other than DMX, and this is one of these songs that we would have blared. And there's only so many songs I could find that have radio clean edits. Turn out the DMX. Rest in peace. See you next week. Get the swag. Dog, I meet women, discreet women, street women, slash, cocoa puff, sweet women, make you wanna <laughs> women, but not me. Y'all catch it off the plate all you want, but not D. Uh, I get at these chickens from a distance. The instant they start to catch feelings, I start to steal and they prick them. I'm out just like a thief in the night. I sink my teeth in the bite. You think your life, I'm thinking more like, what's up tonight? Come on, ma, you know I got a wife. Even though that is tight, I ain't gonna jeopardize my life. Right. So what is it you want? I gave you, you gave me I blaze you, you blaze me Nothing more, nothing less But you at my door, willing to confess That it's the best you ever tested Better than all the rest, I'm like, alright girlfriend Hold up, I gave you what you gave me, boo What they really want from us Somebody let me know No Linda, Felicia, Dawn, LaShawn, Inez, and Delicia, Teresa, Monica, Sharon, Nikki, Uh Lisa, Veronica, Karen, Big Damn, Cookies. Oh, I met her in the ice cream parlor. Tanya, Diane, Laureen, Carla, Marina, Selena, uh, Katrina, uh, Sabrina, uh, about three Kim, Latoya, Tina, Shelly, Bridget, Kathy, Rashida, Uh Kelly, Nicole, Angel, Juanita, Stacy, Tracy, Rhonda, and Rhonda, Donna, Yolanda, Tawana, and Wanda. We're all treated fairly, but yet still, chickens is off some other tip, man, and I'm getting that true hell, but I'ma keep it real. What What the f*** you want from a camo? What the f*** you want from a When a dog didn't have, yeah. and the dog told a joke, and the chicken didn't laugh. Yeah. See, now I do the math. I see if you got this, uh-huh. and this, and this, and some cats, that dog, the sh- oh, and that's all they're getting with. But see, these chickens don't know. Uh-huh. If these chickens ain't for real, uh-huh. these chickens don't go. Uh-huh. Knock on the door, no show. Uh-huh. I'm asleep, trying to creep uh-huh. with your best friend. Put it in. Uh-huh.